the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, today, we are taking up the passage where it says, Christ our Lord says, uh, regarding how often we ought to forgive the brother, he says, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times seven. And on the basis of this, we are going to be talking about the miracle of forgiveness. And that's a miracle. It's a miracle that God promises to work in our hearts. It's a miracle that God has forgiven us. It's a miracle from the beginning to the end. And it also works a miracle of the preservation and the restoration of human relationship. There was a study released by the Surgeon General back in May. And it was talking about an epidemic in the United States of America. What epidemic was it talking about? You know, you might guess several different epidemics. You might think that it was maybe talking about the COVID epidemic or the obesity epidemic or the drug abuse epidemic or various things such as this. It actually discusses in passing some of those things. But it's about a different kind of epidemic, and it'll probably surprise you what it was about. A loneliness epidemic. Loneliness has become such a big problem in the United States of America that the Surgeon General has actually issued studies and papers about it. An interesting quotation from this packet from this uh, from the study is this he says given the profound consequences of loneliness and isolation we have an opportunity an obligation to make the same investments in addressing social connection that we have made in addressing tobacco use obesity and the addiction crisis if we fail we will retreat further to our corners angry, sick, and alone. And the paper talks about some of the consequences of loneliness that has big social consequences. Lack of trust. Lack of ability to cooperate. It has not only big social consequences, but it has big personal consequences as well. Loneliness is associated with all kinds of, of bad outcomes for us. If we're lonely, we're going to be more sick. If we're lonely, we're, we're going to have worse habits. And I've seen this in very profound ways in my ministry. I mentioned it several times before, but every once in a while I'll get a phone call from a hospital and uh, the chaplain might call me up and say, hey, uh, Pastor Chris, or it's the social worker, Pastor Chris, we've got someone here at the hospital. They're really not doing well and they don't seem to have any kind of human connection. Uh, they don't have any nieces or nephews or kids or spouses or friends to look in on they just seem to be utterly alone but they told me that they grew up lutheran so will you come and spend a little bit of time with this individual 
Now, when I've been gone and ministered to people in, in a bad way in the hospitals, I've seen some amazing turnarounds. I've seen a lady who is 102 years old rally from basically a coma and live another year and a half. I've seen this sort of thing. But here's the commonality between all of those incredible ways when people rally and all of these times when I've gone in and visited someone who has no kind of social connection. It's always the people who rally who have good, strong family and friend support. But if I get that phone call, that there's someone here that, that has no family to look after them, not even a niece or a nephew or, or no friends, they've never left the hospital. Not alive, anyways. In 1972, 45% of Americans felt they could reliably trust other Americans. Today, it's less than 30%. In 2003, Americans reported that they spent an hour every single day in meaningful social interaction with family and friends. In 2020, they only spent 20 minutes a day meaningful social interaction. You might think, well, Surely things have got to be better for young people, right? They're the ones who go to school every day. They're the ones who have all the, the social connection apps, all the social media apps, the Instagrams, the Facebooks, the, the Snapchats, the texting, the Twitter, all that kind of stuff. And it's not to say these things are bad, but actually doesn't seem to help. Those that, support, that report some of the highest levels of loneliness are young people. People in their teens. People in their 20s. And counterintuitively, it actually seems as if the social media apps actually have made the problem worse. There is indeed a loneliness epidemic going on in the United States of America. We are, as the Surgeon General said, retreating into our corners, angry, sick, and alone. And I give the Surgeon General's report uh, a great deal of credit because interestingly enough, the Surgeon General actually says, you know what a big problem, a big part of this is? This isn't a government document, by the way. It says one of the biggest problems that people are are losing their social connection is that people don't go to church anymore. The Surgeon General actually calls that out, but interestingly enough, when he talks about solving the problem, he talks about regaining social connection through community organizations and things of this nature, but he quite literally doesn't get to the heart of the matter. You see, while here at St. Peter's Lutheran Church, we do offer an opportunity to get together with others in the community in a way that I believe is meaningful. We offer something even more powerful, transformative, and I would even say miraculous than just a meeting of a social organization. 
Because what we offer here is a transformation of the heart. Whereby our hearts are transformed towards our neighbor. To be hearts full of forgiveness. In the miracle of the forgiveness of God to us in Christ Jesus. And that's a miracle that we desperately need to maintain relationships. You see, without forgiveness, there can be no human relationship. Without forgiveness, our households will disintegrate. Without forgiveness, our marriages will fall apart. Without forgiveness, we'll cast our friends aside. Without forgiveness, we will abandon our brothers and sisters. Without forgiveness, our community falls apart. Without forgiveness, we can't even have a church. And so I implore you, brothers and sisters in Christ, to forgive your neighbor for the sake of relationship with him or her. We have a great illustration of this, this idea, this principle that there can be no actual human relationship apart from forgiveness. We have a great example of this in our Old Testament lesson. Um, just to rehearse a little bit about what was going there on here with our Old Testament lesson with Joseph and why his brothers were afraid. You know, Joseph was one of the, the descendants of Jacob, otherwise known as Israel. He was the favored brother. Because he was the favored brother and received gifts, if you remember the coat of many colors, that was Joseph who got that. His brothers had all kinds of resentment built up in their hearts towards Joseph. And it's a very complicated and incredible story, but we'll just talk about it in broad sweeps. Uh, his brothers hatched a plan to, to kill him because of this resentment in their hearts. But some of the cooler heads among the brothers and those that had a tighter bond with him convinced the other brothers, no, don't kill him. Don't put him to death. And said, let's just abandon him. And so they, they put him down in a pit. And they took this coat of many colors and they tore it up and messed it up. They put the blood of an animal on it. And they took that back to their father, Jacob, Israel. And they said to him, your beloved son has been killed and, and torn up by wild animals. Now as Joseph was down in that pit, Traders came by and they, they took him out of that pit and they sold him into slavery in Egypt. And the story is very complex, but eventually Joseph finds himself second in command over Egypt under Pharaoh himself. And Egypt prospers under his leadership. Under his leadership, Egypt has stored up an amazing abundance of grain so that when famine came upon the entire Mediterranean world, they not only had enough food to feed the people of Egypt, but they had food as well to sell to the lands and the peoples around them. And not knowing that Joseph was the one who had uh, administered these policies, his brothers, seeking food to save the lives of their children, they come to Egypt to purchase grain, and eventually they are reunited Joseph invites his brothers and his father down into Egypt, settles them in the land of Goshen in northern Egypt. And we meet them here today. Their father has died. 
And they're afraid that Joseph will repay to them what they had done to him. They're afraid that he will not forgive because they believe that he forgave simply for the sake of his father. And now that his father is gone, they'll repay him. And so what they do, interestingly enough, is that they seek what they think will be the best circumstance for them. You see, from a worldly perspective, it might seem that Joseph would have uh, every right to even put them to death. And so instead of this, they put themselves in front of Joseph. And we have the word servant here. Really what they were doing is they were offering themselves to Joseph as his slaves. They were saying, don't put us to death. Instead, just make us your slaves. And again, from a worldly perspective, that might make sense, right? This might be the best circumstance that could be hoped for from a worldly perspective by the brothers. At the same time, Joseph wins because he gets the property of them as his slaves. But even though he would have gained that revenge and gained them as property, what would he have lost? He would have lost brothers. He wouldn't have true relationship with them anymore. And so Joseph lays down what he could rightfully have claimed for himself in the ways of the world in order to gain the greater good of brothership with them. And I love this detail, the very last detail, that thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. This was not a begrudging forgiveness. This was a forgiveness from the heart. And it's that forgiveness that enabled them to maintain this relationship of their brotherhood. As it was for Joseph, so it is with us. If we fail to forgive our marriages will fall apart. If we fail to forgive, our households will crumble. If we fail to forgive, we will have no community, no relationship. And you were made for relationship. You have been created in the image of God God who is eternal relationship. God is an eternal relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And therefore, you were made to live in community with others. I beg you to forgive for the sake of community, for the sake of friendship, for the sake of love, so that you might not be lonely, but instead have fellowship with others. I implore you to forgive not only for the sake of your relationship with others, but also for the sake of your relationship with God. Christ our Lord said, And anger is master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. (laughs) Likewise, when we pray the Lord's prayer, we pray, we pray, forgive us our trespasses, fill in the blank, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
If we fail to forgive our brother, it is as if it is a rejection of the forgiveness of God towards us. It is saying that we know better how to relate than God relates to us. The failure to forgive, therefore, is a rejection of God's forgiveness of you. And your relationship depends upon the forgiveness of God. For you and your sins have departed from God's ways and God's expectations. You in your sins have offended the Lord God. But through the forgiveness offered to you in Christ, you are able to have relationship with Him and He with you. No longer does He frown upon you, but instead, as we say in the benediction, He smiles upon you. The blood of Christ Jesus. You too are reconciled to Him because through His forgiveness, you no longer have a stern judge in heaven, but rather instead a heavenly Father. And so I beg you to forgive for the sake of your relationship with God. But here we get to a bit of a problem. <laughs> to be quite honest, this is one of these passages, there are a few passages which strike me with as much trepidation as this passage. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart? Oh my goodness. God's commands. These are commands not only about our external relationships with others, but also and especially about our individual uh, and our hearts towards others, our internal relationships with others. I mean, some of the commands, after all, is love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength and mind and to love your neighbor as yourself. But, but there's the rub, right? We can do a halfway decent job at controlling our actions externally. Even that, it's hard enough, right? But most of us can go day to day without at least externally doing such things as robbing stores and stealing from our, our neighbor's home and things of this nature. But our hearts? Oh, my heart. It's flighty. Oh, my heart. It seems to have a mind of its own. It's nigh on impossible to control the heart. But that's why we count on the miracle of forgiveness. Forgiveness is a miracle from the beginning to the end. God's forgiveness of you is a miracle. It is a miracle from the beginning to the end. For God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son, so whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. That sending of the Son is a miracle. The incarnation of the Son of God in human flesh is nothing less than miracle. 
that God and man and man and God lived a perfect life in this world, committing no sin, miracle, even to the point of death. His heart was a heart of love towards others. Even those who were putting him to death, he cried out to the Lord on their behalf, Father, forgive them for they know not what to do. That is miracle. He trusted in the Father even to the point of death. His dying words, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. That is nothing less than miracle. When he died upon the cross, the very Son of God died. That is miracle. In three days, a man rose from the dead. That is miracle. And by these means, your sin has been removed from the mind of God. He who is omnipotent and omniscient, who knows all things, has forgotten your sin. That is miracle. He who is omnipresent, who is present everywhere, has removed your sin from his presence. As far as the east is from the west, how far has your sin been removed from you? That is nothing short of miracle. And on the third day, and, on, and finally, when on the last day, when Christ returns, he will raise you and bring you into everlasting life. That is nothing short of miracle. And the God who works miracles promises that by means of his forgiveness poured into your hearts through his love lavished upon you that your heart is transformed that is nothing short of miracle and so i implore you brothers and sisters in christ to forgive so that the miracle of forgiveness can be shown in your life and the miracle of human community, households kept together, friendships kept together, the relationships maintained, that this miracle will be worked in your life. I urge you to forgive so that your relationship with God would be retained, that you would gladly receive the forgiveness he offers to you. And I implore you above all, to keep before your very eyes the cross of Christ, the very miracle by which God works the miracle of your forgiveness and the transformation of your heart. To him be all power and glory. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.